2 Timothy 1 and verse number 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor let me his prisoner, or nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. One sentence. For the which cause I also suffer, these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I want to thank you and praise you, dear God, for the day. Thank you for the week that we've had. We just, again, praise you, Lord, for that, for, uh, Lord, using Brother Heffington as you did and for his um, commitment to seek uh, the messages, seek your face in the messages that was presented. I pray and ask that you'll be with them as they travel this afternoon back to Georgia. I pray and ask that you would bless the service this morning as we build upon Friday night service, I believe it was, and the word that you have laid upon my heart and these scriptures uh, from the word of God give me utterance. I pray that you give me boldness and that you do everlasting work in the hearts and lives of those before me. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake, amen and amen. All right, so... Of course, verse number 12 is where my text is, and it's because of the word committed. And, and we're going to deal with the two ways that we're, I believe the context of the Scripture, but then an application also of that word. So commitment, I guess, is, is a, just put that as a title, commitment. Uh, but if you'll remember back, uh, I believe it was Friday night, and, and it was interesting that you know, again, him not knowing what I preached and, the, and, and him not knowing that I often refer to Acts chapter 20, verses 20, verse number 21, and that's what I preached down at camp. He didn't know none of that. And he actually used the, uh, uh, you know, the illustration very similar, except I like how he brought it out in the fact of that heart belief, that heart knowledge, with a head belief and heart belief. We deal with that often around here. But the way that he did it, and he, he explained it, and I really like, you know, just, and but he used the word committed. I didn't use the word committed in my message down at the camp. But he used the bench here. He said, you know, and he has, you know, I can have the heart, head knowledge that this bench would hold me up. My 200, none of your business pounds. <laughs> you know, it's solid. You know, it's, it's, got, some, it's got some weight to it. Uh, I believe, looking at it, looking at its construction, that it would hold me up. There's the head knowledge. Like he, I'm not re-preaching his message, but I'm re-preaching that point in the fact that that's the head knowledge. I believe that that bench would hold me up if I stood on it, if I sat on it. That's the head knowledge. But it's not until, and here's the word he used, it's not until I commit myself to that. There's that heart knowledge. I can hold my feet up. Woo, it's holding me up. I have committed myself to the belief that I had in my head, but when I actually sat down on the bench, lift my feet up, and all my weight is on this bench, Amen. there's now where I've committed it to my heart. And that's the heart belief, is that commitment to it. Acts 20, 21, repentance toward God. Faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. 
being sorry for our sin because our sin is, the one, is what um, uh, offends a holy God. Amen. Repentance toward God. There's who we have offended in our sin through Adam and our, our, our Adamic nature, our sinful nature. So there's where our repentance needs to be. I'm sorry, God, for my sin. But then faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we dealt with that word toward there at camp. <clears throat> but faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. So not just a head knowledge that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Not that he was buried and raised again the third day according to the Scripture. But in salvation I am accepting Jesus Christ shed blood as the, uh, as the propitiation for my sins. For my redemption, to pay my redemptive price, to buy me back where I had in my sin through Adam had offended God and have been separated from God, I can be back reconciled back to God through Jesus. I then commit myself to Jesus Christ. Holy. And it's only in Him. Like, like my grandson, when he called and testified that he had gotten saved... He's now 16. But he got and saved. He said, Papa, what I was wrestling with is, is I, it, it, it would, I just come to the realization that it's all in Christ. Amen. Totally committed. So we see that in salvation, that word commitment. In salvation and taking that a step further. <clears throat> Paul saved. When he writes 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 1 12, he's committed some things. And two different commentaries I read after, just a, two different thoughts. Really, one I think is the context of the scripture, the other is, is a, an application. <clears throat> and I'm going to bring both. So the context of scripture, who is he writing to? He's writing to Timothy, a young preacher, the old preacher writing to the young preacher. And, he, and we started out with, and we dealt with this when we was preaching it on that Sunday night. And he's telling Timothy here in verse number 8, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. This is the second letter to Timothy. Timothy, a young preacher uh, who often traveled, we can see, in the scripture, he traveled alongside of Paul, Paul and Timotheus. Write we unto you. So we, we see that he not only was an, a son in the faith, he was a traveling com companion with Paul, but apparently in this letter back to Timothy, Timothy understands that Paul's a prisoner. That might have generated a whole lot of concern in Timothy's mind in the flesh. Some thoughts in Timothy's mind of what might befall him also as a preacher of the gospel. Who knows? I don't know, but he, because the, the, um, the admonition here of Paul is, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The Lord suffered. And you can be ashamed of that. It says, nor of me as prisoner. Suffer, suffering, affliction. We've been dealing with some of these things. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And, and again, dealing with the sentence here, who hath saved us. You're saved, I'm saved. He saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Again, people have taken this scripture and they're dealing with, they want to deal with salvation. We see another scripture in a minute. They want to put that with salvation. It's not a salvation. The other scripture here is in, in Ephesians. Let's see, I wrote it down here, Ephesians uh, one, people want to attribute this to salvation as well in Ephesians 1. 
This is not salvation. This is a work in Christians. And in Timothy here, it's specifically a work in the preachers. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us. Who's us? He's writing to the believers at Ephesus. Not the lost folks. He chose us as believers. He chose us, Timothy writes, uh, Paul writes Timothy, he chose us with an holy calling. The call to preach, the call to carry the gospel. That's you. So in Ephesians, he chose, he hath chosen us in him when? Before the foundation of the world. Just like he told, he told Paul here, according, he chose, he hath called us with an holy calling. <clears throat> Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given, uh, which was given us in Christ before the world began. God seen the Christians in Ephesus and wanted to give them certain. He seen Paul. He seen Timothy in the day that they lived in. He told, it was at. Uh, Ananias, I've got a purpose for Paul's life. Saul then, he's going to suffer for me. That was chosen before the world began. That grace and that, um, so partake of, let's see, yeah, the grace, his own purpose and grace. He had a purpose in Paul's life to suffer, to go to the Gentiles. But he gave Paul grace to suffer <laughs> when he went to the Gentiles. And here in Ephesians again, so uh, according as he has chosen us in him, it's in Christ, just like it was here in Timothy, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Now that's what he wants for the church. There's a calling here in Timothy that he's dealing with, but it's a whole, it's a separated life. In Ephesians, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. It keeps going. The sentence is key, that we haven't got to a period of question mark or an exclamation point yet. Having predestinated us not unto salvation, that's not what that's dealing with. And who's the us? It's the church, it's the believer. So he, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself according to the, what is it? Good pleasure of his will. Not according to anything that the Ephesus, Ephesian church had done just like here with Paul and Timothy, it's not according to any of their works. It's to Christ's good pleasure and Christ's will. Amen. His own purpose, 2 Timothy 1.9 says, and his grace, his own purpose. He's got a purpose for you, believer. He's got a purpose for me, preacher. And he chose me for the purpose. Not because of anything that I had done. In fact, let's just, this is not in my notes, but thank you, Jesus. In fact, Paul, again writing in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, 26 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Because when you see me, that's exact. I fit that verse. I look back on my life, and I have just, my son was sharing, you know, my son Andrew was sharing some things. And he's like, I thought about you, Dad. 
just and then and then we got to talking in this conversation and and just uh, all this was re 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 brought up to my mind. There's been places that I have gone that on my education level, on my stature, on my ability, on my uh, status in life, I shouldn't have ever went. There's been things that I've done, and on all of those things, no merits of myself, but I've been able to do. And I scratch my head going, how in the world did I wind up going to those places and doing those things? And not just me, my, my family has been involved, my, you know, my children have been involved in a lot of that. You know, the opening day of the, I know I'm old, the 1982, what, when was that? Oh, that was before I was born, don't tell me, don't tell me. The opening of the 1982 World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. World's Fair, what's a World's Fair? Look it up. I was one of a group of Boy Scouts that was supposed to move the nets over the, from the balloons and let the balloons release after Ronald Reagan got through speaking. But Secret Service didn't want any children up there on the stage in case somebody started taking shots at Mr. Reagan. So they said, we're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to figure this out. So they said, let them march in the parade. So on the opening day parade of the 1982 World's Fair, I was one of the Boy Scouts, along with my brother. So we got to march along. You know, we actually lined us up like a military formation. We got to a certain place, and, you know, the eyes right deal, and there's Mr. Reagan. And then they stopped everything and got him back to his limo and whisked him off. 1982, I was one of 50 Boy Scouts holding an American flag in the middle of Neyland Stadium on the 50-yard line in a circle around Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash and Jimmy Cash while they sang the national anthem. And as they ended the national anthem, the fireworks over the stadium started. Who was, who, who was Doug Bell to do that? Who was Shannon Bell to do that? Nobody. And then I can, so many more examples like that. Who am I? Let's bring it down to where we're at in Timothy. Who am I? That in May, <laughs> or in the summer, actually it was probably the summer, that the summer of 1990, 33 years ago, he began squeezing my heart, almost like conviction. And I could not put my finger on what I knew. I was saved. I did that examination. But what was it that he wanted me to do? I was leading singing for Brother Shock. I was teaching Sunday school whenever I was called upon to teach. I was, we helped remodel a bathroom. I helped go out on door, door knocking with Brother Shock. I was in there doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. But there was something more. And I couldn't, I couldn't get satisfied and then Thanksgiving Day of, of 1990, the Lord revealed to me at, at Faith Baptist Camp in Resaca, Georgia, through the preach word of God that whole day, that he wanted me to preach. And again, I wrestled with that that day. I wrestled with that the next morning. Who am I, Lord? I can't preach. And I gave him all the reasons why I thought that I couldn't preach. I'm enlisted in the... In, in the, in the Air Force, I can't be enlisted and preach. I can't do I, da, 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 all the excuses. But I'd heard messages about God getting your attention, God setting your barley, barley field on fire. And I had two children at the time. That was my barley field and a wife down the hallway. That was my barley field, and I don't, didn't want none of them burnt. <laughs> I didn't want none of them touched to get my attention about preaching. So the day after Thanksgiving, 33 years ago, I flew up the white flag of surrender and said, yes, Lord, I'll preach. But through the years, I'm going, who me? Why me? Who am I? I'm base. I'm not, I'm not a wise man. I'm not mighty after the flesh. I'm not noble. But God has chosen the foolish things. That's me. 
So Lisa, I had a different tie on this morning. She, she changed dresses and she come out in the morning. I said, you want me to match you today? She said, sure, if you want to. And I have, a, I have an orange bow tie that was at my, from my daughter's wedding. So I knew she doesn't like me in a bow tie. And I knew the reaction that I would get if I, and I also have a pair of orange sunglasses, orange frame sunglasses. So I slipped in there, put the orange bow tie on and put the sunglasses on. <laughs> and I got the reaction I, I thought that I would. Foolish, see? I proved the point. I walked around the corner. She said, has, has, has uh, Michael seen you yet? Boy seen you yet? I said, no, I walked around the corner. And the first thing Michael did was, <laughs> Foolish. That's who he chooses. Why? I have no earthly idea. We have a good time around my house. The foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. Oh, there's why. To confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised of God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, here it is, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ. You hear, keep hearing them, those words, in Christ? In Christ? In Christ? But of, of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's why he calls us to do the things that he wants us to do. Amen. That he would get glory. No flesh should glory. That he would get the glory. Commitment. Now, in the context of Scripture, here in, in our text in 2 in Second Timothy, it's a preacher talking to a preacher. And when I got down here to the word commitment, verse number 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, he's, what did he suffer? Back up. Let me back up. So, who hath called, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. He's got a reason. I don't know. I don't understand. But it's grace. He's given me the grace. He's given Lisa the grace. When I surrendered, probably about 6 o'clock on the day after Thanksgiving, 1990, she got up and I said, Lisa, sit down. I got something to tell you. She thought, uh-oh. <laughs> What's going on? Now, mind you, we had just heard, and four people in my, in my office in the Air Force had done left, departed to Saudi Arabia. I had my bags packed. So that's where a whole lot of her mind was. Was it something like that? And I told her that God had called me to preach, and she said, Phew. no, she didn't say that. She said, I thought I was going to get out of that. See, she, when I met her, she had plans of going to Bible college and figuring figuring that she would meet some preacher by the water fountain, because that happens at Bible college, and <laughs> meet some preacher by the water fountain that needed a wife, you know, and it'd be, she'd wind up a preacher's wife that way. And she thought, well, I'm safe from that <laughs> because I married a guy in the military. Well, she wasn't safe from that because God called a military man to preach. Uh, and so, but again, it was just God gave me the grace, grace to do it, and God gave her the grace to follow me in it. A lot of times, people forget the grace that it takes for a wife to follow that. They're not called. They're called to follow, but they're not called to preach. The family is called to follow, but they're not called to preach. That, that, that's a holy calling that's meant to put up on the man. But it does take grace for the family to follow. And we all know, according to the Scriptures, that a woman 
not willing to commit or be committed into those things can ruin a man's ministry. I'm called to preach. I'm going to be pastor. And the woman says, not me. Well, guess what? You just disqualified that man. And I, there's men that I know that that's happened to. And graciously have just found their place in the church under a pastor. But that doesn't mean that that longing, that, that uh, desire, that uh, the, 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 the calling is still upon that man. He just can't do that. But they have submitted to a pastor and his authority in the, his, in the church and stepped out of the ministry. I know I, I can name one right off the top of my head just right now. Anyway, in fact, we sing a song by man that that happened to. So, whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So it wasn't just a preacher, but he mentions apostle and teacher. And we, in Ephesians chapter 4, that whole list of the gifts that he gives to the church. So, it says, For, for the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed... The suffer goes back to the prisoner in verse number 8. I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Throughout the scriptures, and we've dealt with it, I'll try not to labor it too too much here. Uh, Throughout the scriptures, we've dealt with it, Paul understood that he dies daily, not that he kills the flesh every day and puts it under now, he is supposed to put the fun, but he dies daily. That's dealing with, I expect to die for the gospel's sake every day of my life. I, I've suffered all these things. And he said, he said it, and we, we've read that list recently, of all the things that he suffered. But he says, I know whom I've believed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So we've dealt with the reason that Paul was able to suffer these things and keep on going is because of the resurrection. He knows who he had believed in. He said, I believe in Jesus Christ, and because I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that he's given me everlasting life, eternal life. If I die for him today, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to get up, I'm going to get up right then and tomorrow. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord then, there we go, and get up tomorrow when he... Redeems the body. So I know whom I believe in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Now, that commitment there, that which I have committed unto him against that day. One that I read after to get some clarification on that which I have committed said he felt that it was the, the souls of men that he had preached to, the souls of men that he had taught, the, the churches that he had, that he had a part in uh, bringing up, it wasn't his words, but he had a part of establishing and a part of writing these letters back to to help keep them going. It was the believers the believers, the men and women that had been before him as a preacher that he had committed to Christ. I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? The judgment seat of Christ. And so then as I read, some scripture references come to me in the fact of, in John chapter 20, I know that Brother Glenn's not got there yet, but John chapter 20, Timothy uses commit, or 2 Timothy uses the word committed, and, and I know this is, this is a little different. Brother Bryant preached at Island Ford this back in 21. Verse 21 of John 20, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whose 
Whosoever sins ye remit. He's talking to men here. Whosoever sins ye remit. They are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain. They are retained. And I've, I've wrestled with that quite often. But then Matthew chapter number 18. We've seen something very similar to this. Uh, verse uh, so Matthew eighteen verse number. Let's see here. Fifteen. Let's just go ahead and grab that. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And, he, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to, unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall... And then Christ uses the word bind here. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And, and going back to Brother Chris's devotional this morning when he talked about the intercessory prayer and the intercessory work, again, right on time, because he didn't know that I was going to be preaching this, and I didn't know he was going to be teaching that. Talk about the intercessory prayer, and I've often heard, uh, and we're talking about committing. Why couldn't it be the souls of men? Committing unto him. I am persuaded that 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 which I've committed unto him, uh, uh, sorry, that he is able to keep, there we go, that which I've committed unto him against that day. Why couldn't that be souls? I've heard preached often because out of, and Brother Hall, I guess, just used it often. I said unto him most of my, my life, as far as a preacher goes, but when it, in verses number 19, of course, we're going to pull 20 out, or two or three gathered together. There I am in the midst. We want to pull that one out. But and then your Schofield Bible's got something between those two verses there. But um, verse number 19, he says, And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, anything that they shall ask, two agree touching, touching, uh, two agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Again, it goes back to our faith, which, which we're at in our Wednesday night study. It says two. And Brother Hall brought, brought it down to do. And it says where two or three are gathered. What, what, what do we have when, when we have a couple that's, that's committed vows to each other as husband and wife? Two. So that's a basic number. Where two or three are gathered in my name, and then where two agree touch, uh, on earth as touching anything that, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Why can't two, 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 two? I'll just apply it to everybody, but just to say two. Agree. We we know that it is the it's not that it's, uh, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so why not these two agree with God that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and these two agree on earth, asking God committing these two, and the other three, or two plus one, Mason, these, these two to, to, to be saved, committing it unto him, and then having the faith that Paul said, 
I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed, committed unto him against that day. So, can it be that? I think whether that's what it's talking about or not, it's a really great application that we can intercede in the will of God, because not, he's not willing that any should perish at all, and commit some things to him. Commit our children to him. He's able to keep what I've committed. He's able to keep the churches that I've preached to. He's able to keep the, the, the believers that I've taught. He's able to keep those that he's able to get. He's able to, to save. And I've you know, maybe touched heaven with Timothy as a traveling companion about Corinth, about these churches. Brethren, we need to pray. You, we ask you to pray for us, and we are praying. You see that kind of stuff in his letters. We, not just me, we are praying for you. And committing the believer, committing the lost, and agreeing. But you've got to have faith that God will. Lord, I'm going to lay my children on the altar. Not necessarily literally, but I, we, I've been in services where the very first service that they bring that newborn babe to the church they ask the pastor to pray over that and it's a committal service what there's nothing it's it's just something that that the the parent not that everybody does this but some some parents do i have done it with several of mine you know not that that's going to save that infant no but is saying, as a parent, I, you, God, you give me this child, like, like Hannah in the Old Testament, when God gave her Samuel, there was a certain place after she had weaned him that she took and gave him back. And God gave you that child, and it's you're saying that by the grace of God... I'm going to raise that child in the care and admonition of the Lord. Not that that's going to save that child. He's got to come to saving knowledge by his own self. But you can be the example to them. You can commit that. You can commit them to the Lord in what you say before them, how you teach them, the church that you keep them in. And then, like Paul, say, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What day is that? Again, that's judgment day. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14, 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Imagine that, parents. If you don't affect anybody else in this world, you're going to affect your children. I hear, <laughs> I hear sayings out of these two grandkids. This is the second time that they've spent any time with us. I mean, in our house, stayed with us, second time only. And they have little, <laughs> they have little sayings that, and I don't know where, where Ezekiel got it, but he's picked it up on it. And it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So if it's something that he is a two-year-old, almost three-year-old, he'll let you know that, almost three. A two-year-old can do, like put his socks on by himself, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But he heard that from somewhere. And there's other phrases that their household uses that you know that they got it from mom and daddy. So they're listening, they're watching, have you committed them? And look, if you're not going to influence anybody else in this whole world, you will influence your child either for or against Christ. Have you committed your family to them? Have you said, maybe, maybe you didn't bring them down. Maybe you wasn't saved when they were an infant. But we can still commit. But we got and, and, and as couples, commit. As in, yes, two agree on this earth touching. Uh, well, I'll just read it again. Two agree. There we go. 
that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. Mom and Daddy, ask by name each individual child that God would save them. By name that God would keep them. That God would protect them. I mean, it's telling you it's tough on Mama's heart. Daddy's too, but just not so much as, I mean, we got to be the straw man. But when that 18-year-old, especially the last one, but all of them, when they pack up, well, rewind. It is tough on the daddy heart too. When, when you have walked your daughter down the aisle, get ready, brother. Get ready, brother. When you, <laughs> you walked your, aisle, your water down the aisle, and there's that hairy-legged devil wants to take her away from you. And you take her hand, and you take his hand, and you say, okay, she's yours. Break it up. And then they, Brother Hall throws this up even 36 years later. He said, you know, she's in the car. Just, you're, you're, you're there all sad. You're going... Molly, I love you. She's just like, because we have this picture that somebody took over, over somebody's shoulder, or maybe just took it. We're in the car. We're getting ready to hit the honeymoon. And then here's, you know, both of us are smiling, and she's got a super huge, you know, smiling. And Brother Hall didn't understand that smile. Brother Hall's like, what are you smiling for? You're ta- he's taking you away from me. Or when that boy says, it's time for me to fly the coop. I'm going to launch out and conquer the world. And they pack that little Ford up and they head off to Michigan. That's tough. But can two agree on earth? Pray that God would keep him. God would bless them. For those that are lost, that didn't, that left the house lost, that God would save them. And stay committed to that? I know whom I have believed, believed, and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I just started reading. For none of us live to himself, no man dieth to himself. We will influence somebody. Will we influence together with a partner in prayer, believing God will? Give us what we ask for. Hmm. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. There's the key. Commitment. Yes, we're committed unto him in salvation. We give him our souls to save. But after salvation, are we committed? No man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Is every aspect of our lives unto the Lord? Not just your children. Well, we hit that. But what about your job? Your business. I know there's several businessmen in here. Your business. Is it committed unto the Lord? Hmm. We can talk about our church. Are we committed? This is a different application. Coming back around here. Are we committed unto the Lord? Are we committed to get the gospel out, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? You know, while I do this around church, I do, yeah, but as a church, the commission is to go and preach the gospel. Are we committed? Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live or therefore or die, we are the Lord's. He has a purpose for us. We done read it. Before the foundation, before the world began, Timothy, he had a purpose in us. Before, before the foundation of the world, Church of Ephesus, he has a purpose for us. He wants you to be separated. He wants you to be used, committed. 
as into the Lord. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the living, or the dead and the living. And I know Brother, uh, mm -hmm, Brother Glenn was just there in John 14, but I heard a preacher was, uh, last Sunday, actually, going up the road, and he said that this is one of the greatest phrases in the Word of God. We often look, overlook, uh, and we're often down, that's what I'm saying, we're often down on... Um, Oh, he hasn't got there yet. Well, yeah, you haven't got there yet. We're often down on Thomas. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, we're often down on Thomas when he said, until I put my fingers in his prints and my finger in his or hand in his side. We're down on Thomas. But Thomas may, of course, I mean, he says, you, you, and we're going to read it here. You know, because thou hast believed and seen that, uh, you know, you're blessed, but blessed, you know, thou hast seen, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have seen, that have not seen and yet believed. That's, that's Christ after this. But Thomas makes a, and this is what the preacher pointed out, Thomas makes a very profound statement in verse number 28 of chapter 20. And Thomas answered and said, after he said, after he said, told him, be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas said, Jesus Christ is God. So all those, all those Mormons out there that, he, that believe that he, was, he, is, he was, is a God, no. Thomas said he's God. Amen. But as God, Thomas also said he's Lord. He's, he's, he's the one over you. He's the one to follow. He's the one to be committed to. He's the one to serve. And Thomas, in one sentence, one phrase, or my one, yeah, one statement, my Lord and my God. He's, there's a whole lot in each of those titles that he attributed to Jesus Christ. We might preach that someday, but I'm just saying there's a lot there. And again, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But, but why, verse number 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand against that day. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know, old brother so-and-so, you know what he used to be? 30 years ago, he did this. 30 years ago, he was that. Okay, what is he now? And what does that matter? He's going to answer to himself before God, and you're going to answer to yourself before God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's race. 2 Corinthians 5, wherefore we, labor, labor, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, again, self-examination, acceptance by Christ on ourselves alone, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. When Brother Glenn mentions the judgment seat of Christ, when I mention the judgment seat of Christ, all the other, or the great white throne judgment, it's the terror of the Lord. Several people said it's not going to be pleasant. At the judgment seat of Christ, when the fire falls on you. And you've left, you're left with wood, hay, and stubble that's burned up into ashes. Or maybe some gold and silver and precious stone that you've laid up. When the fire falls, it's not going to be pleasant. But that, it's the terror of the Lord the Bible uses there. 
And I've, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Again, it all goes back to God and serving Him as our Lord and be committed to Him, be yielded. We dealt with yielding, but committed is a good word too. So there's two, two aspects of this. Things that we commit, souls of men that we commit unto Him and say, I'm persuaded that you're able to keep those things which I've committed unto thee. Or then the things that He's committed to us, like that call that he committed to, to Paul and to Timothy. He said, look, we're, we're going to see, we see that here in a second. Let's go back to our text. So I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He tells Timothy, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which, in, uh, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing. What good thing? Well, <clears throat> well, uh, we read there in First uh, Timothy 3, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. But that good thing goes back up to that calling. Uh, in verse number 9, but that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So again, so Christ committed, God, Christ committed the calling to Paul. Committed the calling to Timothy. He said, I entrust you with this. In fact, that's what committed means. Delivered in trust. Given in charge. I, Timothy, you keep that which has been committed unto you. What has been committed unto you? That you would go and preach. That holy calling has been committed unto you. I entrust, God said, I entrust you with that. And you need to keep that in the Holy Ghost. But I have believed... And then persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He could even use Timothy as an example. Timothy, I've committed you unto him, my son in the faith. <laughs> I committed you unto him to be saved, and you are saved. I committed unto him, uh, unto you unto him, as you was raised up under Lois and Eunice, and I and. And, you know, we've seen a good... I was just praying that God would call some of me. God, you say that God's called you. Don't, you know, keep that which is committed unto you. What? That holy calling. You, you come out. You said you're called to preach. Okay. I've pulled you alongside. I've put my arm around you. I've taught you the doctrines. I've committed unto you. But you've got some things committed unto you. I have committed... I, I've committed unto him these things. I'm committing... The, uh, blah. Keep that which is committed unto you by the Holy Ghost. And so we see as against that day is the, is the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, let's see. So we read down through uh, verse 13, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that he died for all, and that, and that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them, unto him. As that goes back to that Lord, my Lord, my God, I am, I should live unto themselves, I should live unto him which died for them and rose again. I'm living unto Christ. It's all about Christ. I am base. I am foolish. I am called because that's who the, he calls. Why? For his glory. That we should not henceforth live unto themselves, ourselves, but unto him. We should live to him. Have you committed everything to him? Your home, your business, your family, your children. The commitment. And what does that commitment mean? Just like the commitment in salvation. <laughs> All of it. Fully resting on him. I can't... 
do this without you, Lord. And coming to that acknowledgement and that recognition, I can't be a dad without you, Lord. I'm talking about not physically, but just being the example that I need to be. As a, as a, as a man walk, that's walking after you, that I want to be an example before my children, I can't do that without you. The, and he said, the, he used the word grace in our text. As a husband, in fact, <laughs> the boys and I changed the sign yesterday. If God be for us, who can be against us? I didn't have enough room for the scripture reference. But while we were out there, the mailman came, put something in the box, in the wrong box. It belonged two mailboxes up the road. So we took it up there. But when we come back, right here on the top of the, the bank, there is, uh, there's some gravel there, and there's little holes in the gravel, and there were some very industrious ants coming out of these holes, going in, and they got a path. I showed the boys. I said, boys, look at this. They're busy, aren't they? I said, the Bible tells us about ants. They said, what? I said, it does. Bible, and so I said, we'll read it tonight at devotion. So bedtime, we pulled out Proverbs chapter 6, and we read about the ant and how the sluggard should look at the ant. How that they, that, that nothing's driving them, but they, 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 they put up in the, in the, uh, in the harvest, and, and they were industrious. We pulled that out. But it uses the word wisdom, and I dealt with that. I said, and we dealt with Solomon and how Solomon got his wisdom and why God, Solomon got his wisdom because that's what he asked for. And the Bible tells us if we ask for wisdom, he would give it to us. And I often pray for wisdom as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, and just as a man out here. I can't. I can't. But you can't with... You can first when you acknowledge your ineptitude <laughs> and ask for wisdom in all those things. Every aspect of our lives committed unto Him against that day because we are going to stand in the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment if you're here lost. But as saved people, my primary my message is today, we're going to be standing there. Do we fully believe that he is able to keep that which, one, have we committed everything that we should commit to him? And then when we commit it, are you persuaded, fully persuaded? We sing the song out of that verse. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed Unto him against that day. Somebody put that, that verse in song and we sing it. But are we really thinking about what it says when we sing it? Like You sing, hear the songs, you sing them all the time, but now it gets down in personal. Now I understand that my, my sins are forgiven and I can sing praises to you for that. It's personal. Next time we sing that song, it'll be different for every one of us in here. I guarantee it. Because we're going to say, wait a minute. Can I, like Paul say, I know whom I have believed? I hope so. And then persuaded? Are you persuaded? We sing, almost. What? Persuaded. <laughs> Just like Agrippa. Almost. Thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Almost persuaded. We sing that in the very last verse of that song. Sad, sad, sad. And says, that's what it says. Sad, sad. That bitter wail. Almost, but lost. Almost persuaded. But for we believers, we believed and am persuaded. Are you persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto you? Are you, have you committed your family? Have you committed your children, your grandchildren to him? But have you committed your business? Have you committed every part of your life unto him that he would get glory in everything that we do? Every, every aspect of our life? Because when we stand before God 
It's not going to be, but brother so-and-so, no. Sister so-and-so, no. That church down the road, no. It's going to be you answering for you. This went a total different, I won't say a total different direction. It did go a farther direction than I, I'm trying to get done. So, let's see. Um, John said, oh yeah, talking about the commitment. Here's another example of the commitment, why it could be the people. John 17, I know that he's not there yet. Verse number 12, while I was with them, talking about Jesus Christ speaking to God the Father, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Um, let me see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, let me see. Oh, yeah. Commitment. This is, I'll just read it. Luke 19, 57. I couldn't help but think of these two. And this is, I'll just read the scriptures. I was going up the road. <laughs> I do a lot of thinking up the road. And I probably after, I don't know, I've heard one of these messages, or maybe it was something else, but I was thinking of people, nobody in here, nobody in our fellowship, but I couldn't help but think of these verses of scriptures, and it makes application here, and maybe this is why. Luke 9, 57 through 62, And it came to pass that, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will, I will. A certain man said, I, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not to wear it. Uh, not where to lay his head. And he, and he said unto another, Now this man, the first man, said, I will follow thee. But then Jesus said to another, Follow me. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ in that second one, he said, you follow me. But I had an excuse. Now, let the dead bury the dead. I want you to go preach. And there's a third example here, which I believe can be applied to everybody. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I couldn't help but to think about the scripture that he dealt with the other, uh, the other night there in Matthew 13. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and, with, and, with, and Anon with joy. Anon means quickly. And, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, and by, by and by he is offended. But you're not fit. He didn't say, now you can make this application. One, you're not fit to be in the kingdom of God if you put your hand to the plow and look back. Or if you put your hand to the plow, you're in the kingdom. I've committed myself by putting my hand to the plow, but I'm looking back. Now, you can apply it, not that you're not fit for the kingdom as in the ability to be there, but when you stand before judgment, because you've looked back. And I know, I know men that have been called and I've always heard preachers, older preachers than me, that, that took that last verse, that last example, and talking about putting the hand to the plow as a preacher. God called the preacher 
And they said, okay, Lord. But they looked back. I've always heard it applied to the preacher. But I think he can be anybody in commitment. Commitment to the kingdom. Sunday school teacher, song leader, treasurer, I mean, fill the blank, preacher. Or just families. I've committed my family unto thee, and, you've, and they've kept them in the house of God. They've, they've kept them under the word of God for so long, and then by and by, and it could be that Anon with joy, they wasn't really saved. It could be that they are saved. I don't know. They'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. They'll answer for themselves, not me. But then I thought about the example of Elisha, 1 Kings 19, 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son, talking about Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12. You talk about a man. <laughs> 12 yoke of oxen, and he's in the yoke with number 12. What? That's a man. He's doing the work. He's doing a work out there. I mean, he is plowing with the plow, big plow, big plow. And, and Elijah didn't say anything to him. And Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. That's it. Throw the mantle on him. What did he do? And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. And, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And for the next several chapters in the Word of God, I forget, I've tried to figure it up. I, I have it written down in one of my, my other Bibles based on Usher's chronology. From that point on, him ministering to Elijah, you did not hear from Elisha. He just simply ministered to the older preacher. And then when his time come, Elijah said, what, what would you want? I'm paraphrasing. What do you want from me? I want a double portion. You ask a hard thing. But he sat under, ministered, and in his life, he got a double portion of what Elijah had. He, he let it all go. He went back, killed a couple oxen, fed his people, and it didn't say, I mean, he just, he just went. So what has God called you to do? What has God called you to commit to him? I, I suggest you commit it all. We also sing a song. I know I've made many references, but they got them from somewhere. I surrender all. Mm. And if you surrender all, are you fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day? It's talking about the judgment of Christ. So again, it could be people. And it could be just your, your whole being and your whole world committed unto him. And then when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the judgment of the fire, fiery judgment of God falls upon you, are you left with gold, silver, and precious stone? Or you didn't fully commit and you're left with wood, Ashes from the wood, hay, and stubble that's burned up. 